Well, good morning, everybody. So good to be at Westbridge Church. I'm Ryan, and I am the pastor of Riverway Church in Champlin. And believe it or not, our churches have been closely connected for the last 11 years. Jeremiah and I went to college together. We've been, he's just one of my best friends, and uh, we've been able to stay friends for all of these years. Believe it or not, I mean, for those of you who know Jeremiah, believe it or not, we have stayed friends all of these years. And he's not here today. Uh, last I heard, he's on a bike somewhere. He's riding a bike somewhere, I don't know. But he is not here, but so glad to be with all of you. And uh, because we're excited about what God is doing through Westbridge, through all of you, what's happening here, it really is so fun to hear all the updates and steal as many good ideas as we can for our church as well. I wanted to kick off today by showing you a picture of my lovely family. Uh, This is my wife, Tara, and uh, these are our kids. We have two great kids, and we have four in total, and uh, our... (laughs) My wife and I yesterday celebrated 18 years of marriage, so we were pretty excited, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, we hosted my daughter's friend birthday party last night because it was the only night that worked, and so we had nine little uh, teenage girls over to our house for a sleepover, so yeah, it was a pretty romantic night, to be honest. It was pretty awesome. Way to celebrate my wife and I's anniversary but it is what it is. You know, when you get to 18 years and you got four kids, you just deal with it, right? And that's just kind of how it is. Uh, Something else that my wife and I have learned over 18 years is that life has a lot of ups and quite a few downs as well. There's a lot of things that you don't expect, right? People say, you know, did you expect anything or did you find out anything new when you got married or things you weren't expecting when you got married? And I would say, absolutely, I had no idea that marriage involved so many coffee mugs or decorative pillows. I had no idea until I got in it. I mean, my wife, she has 58 coffee mugs and drinks out of two of them. I kid you not. It's clean or dirty. They just rotate. That's all it is. And it was about a year ago that she bought some new mugs and put them on the counter in this little rack. And it was really pretty and everything. And um, I just asked her, I said, why haven't, I, I never see you drinking out of these new mugs you got. And she said, oh. She says, honey, these are not drinking mugs. These are looking at mugs. They're decorating, you know, I just thought, what has my life become? I, just, I can't even believe this right now. But we've also learned that there is a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And at times, when you least expect it, life can turn you sideways and cause your emotions to go all over the place. And today I want to talk about how you can be in control when life seems out of control how you can be in control when life seems out of control. Because we know what happens when the chaos happens. Wow, our world gets turned upside down. Our emotions get wrecked, right? Everything kind of turns sideways on us. So how can we change that? I need you to help give me some examples of things in life that can cause people's emotions to kind of go crazy, all right? So just list them for me. What do you got? Okay, job, work. Yep, absolutely. What else? Politics, sure. What else? Marriage. (laughs) Marriage. I heard kids. Yes, let's star that one. Can we? We'll just do an extra star right there. Circle that. Okay, what else? Sickness, illness, yep. Or just health in general. Someone said bills, right? Bills, finances. Or just money? What else? What's that? Chickens. Chickens? 
I, you, you must be from the Okay. Uh, <laughs> I thought about drawing a chicken. Uh, let's just tie that into work. Okay, we'll just put a chicken right there. Okay, that's his work. All right, anybody else? Family, absolutely. Family stuff. Oh, that's a big one, right? Family or relationships. Okay, the reality is this. We could stay up here for probably the next half hour and we could list page after page after page of all the different things in our life that can cause our emotions to feel out of control. Things that have the potential to turn us sideways. And I've just determined that life is a lot like bumper cars. Have you ever ridden bumper cars? Right, I took our kids to Valley Fair last year, bumper cars. Man, I don't even know who thought we should invent a machine that is gonna induce whiplash and back pain. What, what, what kind of deal could we do? But there is really nothing sweeter when you've got a dead kill shot, isn't that you, right? I mean, you're going four miles an hour, you're like, you're mine, sucker, you know? Like, yeah, here it comes. Or have you ever been stuck in a corner and you just don't know which way to turn that wheel to get out of it and you're just stuck there the whole time? Like, that's the worst. Uh, but bumper cars is a lot like life, right? You can be going in for your kill shot, you can be on top of the world when all of a sudden you can be T-boned by life. Right? The, the things that you least expect to happen can turn your life upside down and causes our emotional state, spiritual state even to go, and it feels like a lot like chaos. Feeling like we're out of control. And it's always interesting to me how we like to have a false sense of security thinking that we are in total control of our lives. But let me ask you, how much are you really in control of? Can you control what your spouse says or does? Can you control what your kids say or do? What about your boss? Can you control your boss? What about the weather? Can you control the weather or your car breaking down? Can you control if someone decides to hurt you? Can you control the car accident or the heart attack? Right, ultimately, there is very little control we have over some very big things in our lives. And today, your first fill-in on your notes is this, and I hope everyone's taking notes this morning, take it with you, fill in the blanks. But the first fill-in is this, that many of the things that sideline us emotionally come from sources out of our control. Many of the things that sideline us emotionally come from sources out of our control. So if that is the case, how can we be in control when our feelings and emotions feel out of control? That's a good question, isn't it? How can we be in control when our feelings and emotions feel out of control? Well, back in 2020 summer, late summer of 2020, middle of the pandemic, I was flying to Billings, Montana, and don't judge me because I was flying during the pandemic, all right? I had to get away. Uh, how many of you have ever been to Billings, Montana? Anybody? All right, so I had never been to Billings before, and Billings is a pretty small town, I've gathered, uh, in Montana, but it's the largest city, I think, in Montana. And I was flying there. When I was booking my ticket to Billings, I was always enjoying during, you know, 2020, 2021, if any of you ever fly, you saw that those prices came down pretty low. And as I was booking my ticket, you know, it gives you the upgrade. You want, you know, do you want comfort? Do you want first class? On and on. And it stopped me dead in my tracks when it said that I could upgrade to first class for $20. Yeah, that was my reaction. 
I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And I did what you would have done. I said, 20 bucks, absolutely, baby. I'm gonna fly in style. And I was so excited because I'd never flown first class before and I really thought, I mean, this is gonna be it. And so I'm at the airport and the gate agent, you know, they're kind of getting everything ready and then they make the announcement. Now boarding all of our first class passengers. (laughs) Excuse me, everybody, while I get up here with my stuff and make my jaunt to the plane. That's right, first class, baby, first class. And I got down the jetway, and I knew there was an immediate problem when I had to duck to get into the plane, which I'd never had to do before. I duck to get through the plane, and I stand up and I look, and this is the smallest airplane that I've ever been on in my life. 11 rows. Not a first class, just 11 rows. Two seats on each side, 44 people is all I could seat. And I was sitting in row number two and there was no difference in seat number two if, or if you were in row number 11, made no difference. All the seats looked the same. I didn't get anything wide. I didn't get extra leg room. All I got when I sat down was a bottle of Dasani water. And I was pissed. I was like, I paid 20 bucks for this. I wanted to live the high life, right? I mean, my emotions, I was thinking, I am really gonna fly in style. And really, for 20 bucks, what did I get? I got a bottle of water for 20 bucks. I mean, they, they certainly saw me coming and they took me for all I was worth, 20 bucks. And so, flying back from Montana, I got to the gate, ready to fly back. And they announced over the loudspeaker that your plane has been delayed because of mechanical problems, eventually got canceled. And I'm used to flying in big cities, and so I just thought, well, no problem, 45 minutes an hour, I'll jump on the next flight. I go up to the counter, and she said, well, our next flight, I was 8 p.m. tonight. Now, this is like 11 in the morning. I was like, are you, what, what? I have to, nine hours? You don't have anything? I mean, there was somebody next to me that decided to rent a car and just drive wherever they were going. They weren't even going to wait around for the plane. I didn't have any option. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm sitting here, right, for the next nine hours in this small airport that has no food or beverages. I'm just going to sit here and gnaw on my pen or something. You know what I mean? It was just horrible. But again, it failed to meet my expectations. I thought things were going to be so great. And life kind of T-boned me in that moment, right? Things that I weren't expecting. And oftentimes, life will throw a lot at you Much of it, you cannot control. And there's a verse that speaks exactly to this and really sums up this whole idea, and it's Proverbs 4.23, and it reads this way. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now, if you've ever heard or read this verse, you've probably heard or read it in this version. This is the NIV or the New International Version. But this morning, I want to teach this verse to you in the King James Version. All right, the King James Version. It was one of the original English translations from the Hebrew text that was produced first in England in 1604. And this verse in the King James Version reads this way. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Can we all say this together? Ready? Here we go. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now, do we have issues in our life? Hello. Yes, we do, right? We could talk about our issues all day long. But this verse right here is speaking to something so important to the things that we face in our every single day life. And here's your next fill-in. 
Here's what this verse is saying. That while I cannot control all that happens to me, the one thing I can control is the condition of my heart. While I cannot control all that happens to me in my life, the one thing that I can control, the condition of my heart. Right? This is the one thing I can control. And here's why this is important. Because the condition of my heart will determine my response to every issue in my life. Let me say that again. The condition of my heart will determine my response to every issue in my life. This heart, it's a big deal. And your next feeling, the Hebrew word for heart is lev, which is referring to your will, your passions, your emotions. That's what this means in this verse, right? We're talking about the inner man or the inner woman, our will, our passions, our emotions. That's what this Hebrew word for heart really means. And there's a lot at stake with this, right? In other words, if you want to guard or protect your will, if you want to guard or protect your passions, if you want to guard or protect your emotions, it comes by controlling or guarding the condition of your heart. Now, the wisest man that ever lived was Solomon, and he wrote the book of Proverbs that instructs us and gives us the best advice on how we can live our lives. And it's interesting that he begins with this phrase, above all else, or with all diligence, above all else or with all diligence, and I don't believe it was an accident. I believe that Solomon is trying to get across the urgency of his advice because he knows how much is at stake. Above all else and with all diligence. Right? He's saying this idea of guarding your emotions, of guarding your will and your passions has to be at the top of your priority list. Which means this, your next film, that guarding your emotions will take constant and diligent attention. Guarding your emotions will take constant and diligent attention. Right? That's what he said. With all diligence, you're going to have to pay attention to the condition of your heart. And this word diligence comes from the Hebrew word mishmar. And this is so important if you want to understand what Solomon is trying to convey to us. This word mishmar, it gives the picture of someone watching over, nurturing, or protecting. Much like you would a newborn, right? If you've been around a newborn, you want to protect and nurture and watch over that baby. Solomon is saying in the exact same way, you have to nurture and protect and watch over the condition of your heart. It requires that much attention. It requires that much diligence. Why? Why is it so important that we guard or protect the condition of our heart? It's so important because Jesus tells us what the goal is of the enemy of our soul. Right? It's not all roses. It's not all pretty. Did you know that you have an enemy that is warring against your soul on a daily basis? Here's what Jesus said about him in John 10.10. He said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
Now, when we read a verse like this, we can know it, we can even believe it, all while at the same time kind of dismissing it. Because when we envision our enemy, when we, when we envision a thief, we think of it as some big bad guy that we can come see, right? We see coming a million miles away. Oh, we're going to see when that thief shows up to steal everything from our lives. But that's not how the enemy works. The enemy of your soul is doing his best to disguise every issue in your life. He's... He's doing everything he can. Your next fill in. The enemy disguises things in our life. Come on, we know what these are. Maybe in culture. He's disguising things for you to believe things that aren't true. In the media or in the social media, in politics or in relationships, the enemy's trying to deceive us to intentionally infect our heart, causing us to go into a tailspin emotionally. That's what the enemy wants to do. Because he knows if he can cause you to go into a tailspin emotionally, then he can rob you of your joy. He can rob you of your peace. He can steal your faith. He can hurt the relationships around you. He can destroy your emotional well-being. He can destroy your mental health unless we are careful to guard our heart. All of that can easily happen. In fact, you don't even know that the enemy has been using some of the issues in your life to rob you of all those things. Because he knows that unless a person's guarding their heart, they're going to be susceptible to all the things that the enemy has planned for them. Back in 2018, my wife went in for a, uh, she went in the doctor and she had a regular chest x-ray. And the x-ray came back and there were some nodules on her lungs that the doctors were uncomfortable with. Uh, they weren't raising any panic or any alarm, but they said, we're uncomfortable with these and we, wanna, we want you to go through a couple tests um, that will see whether or not we should take further action. And so immediately, obviously, when we hear this news, we're a bit alarmed. Uh, we weren't expecting this. And so she went through those two different tests and she failed both of the tests. And so suddenly we became more heightened, right? The results came back, she failed, and now they want to schedule a surgery to go in and take biopsies of the nodules in her lungs to see if they're cancerous. So they scheduled the surgery for a month out. So as you can imagine, what's happening in us emotionally, right? Uh, what's happening, all the what-ifs that are circling in our minds, and of course, we're really good at taking the what-ifs all the way to the end, aren't we? And so she had her surgery, came back inconclusive that they didn't get enough of the particles, and so they scheduled another surgery for another month out to go in from different angles to get pieces of the nodules out. And I had to tell you, during that time, it was a roller coaster. Roller coaster of emotions. Um, and we had to keep coming back Right, to faith. We had to keep coming back to a God that knows the beginning and the end. The God uh, who has been so faithful to us in our lives that we can wholly trust that, that saw this before we ever saw it. But I got to tell you, even as a pastor, whew, there were some days that that was nearly impossible. To keep faith and to keep hope. She had that second surgery and they were able to get enough and everything came back benign. 
There was no cancerous cells, and so we, we, you know, we rejoiced in that. But you can imagine how, how fragile our emotions were as we responded to that during those couple months. You see, here's what you have to understand is that this list is never going to stop. Right? It'd be, the easy answer would be, well, let's just stop all the negative things in our life. Let's just stop all the things that cause us emotional chaos. Let's just stop all those things that can T-bone you know, us when we least see it coming. But the reality is we can't. This list and more will keep coming your way. Yet the condition of your heart will determine how these situations affect your life. The condition of your heart, that and that only, will determine not only how it affects your life, but how you respond to the ease, all of these situations. And it's why at the end of this verse that Solomon wrote these words. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Out of your heart are going to be all the issues. In other words, everything flows in and out of your heart. And it's a filter of sorts. This word issues, uh, this next slide here, this word issues is tatzat in Hebrew language. And it actually refers to a border crossing of sorts. Right, a border crossing where you have to protect what you let in, what you let out, and what filters through your heart. Right, it lets your heart filter the issues in your life. So when Solomon is saying, right, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of your life. He's saying that your heart is like a border that you have to protect what you let in and out and how you filter it. Well, about 20 years ago, I took 40 teenagers to Mexico on a missions trip. And we were driving from Minnesota to Texas to the border, and then we were going to cross the border. So we had this big coach bus. We were going to drive 25, 26 hours, something like that, straight through and before this missions trip, we had lots of meetings beforehand, maybe eight or 10 meetings. And, you know, we were learning, you know, some key phrases in Spanish, you know, like, donde esta el baño? Like, where's the bathroom? That's an important one to know. Um, and so we'd go over those, or they'd learn skits, or they'd learn little puppets things for the kids' VBS. But at the end of every meeting, I would say this, do not forget your passport. Whatever you do, do not forget your passport. This is the most important thing. You can, you can forget all of your underwear. Please for, do not forget your passport. So the last meeting we had, we actually photocopied. So we had paper copies, at least if they did lose it or not bring it or whatever. And so we, you know, we sent emails, don't forget your passport, don't forget your passport. And so we get on the bus and we drive 26, 20, whatever hours it is, and we get to the border. And here we are, the border of U.S. and Mexico, you know, some agents come on, they have guns and rifles and they're talking about how this is going to proceed and we're telling all the kids, you got to get out your passport and then you're going to show it to the border agent and they're going to stamp it and they're going to ask you a few questions, don't be scared and they'll let you through. And as I was telling the kids to take out their passports, it hit me that I had forgotten <laughs> my passport. I kid you not. And I'm instructing them in the back of my head. I'm like, going, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap. What am I? I'm the leader of this trip. These parents have entrusted their most precious possessions to me. And I have forgotten my passport. So I huddled all the leaders. I said, leaders, emergency meeting real quick, real quick. And we huddled up. I said, I've got some good news and bad news. And, they said, and I said, actually, it's just bad news. I don't have any good news. <laughs> the bad news is that I forgot my passport. The look... 
of both horror and disappointment all at the same time. So disappointed in me as their leader. And they're like, what do you mean you forgot your passport? You've been saying, bring your passport, bring your, I know what I said. They're like, well, how are you going to get in? I said, I don't know. We just got to pray. So I grabbed the leader's hands. I said, God, I know I was stupid and I forgot my passport. Look past my stupidity. Help me get through this border crossing so I can be with our, our team and all that. And we said, amen. And we got done. And so we said, we're not telling the kids. We're not telling anybody. This is our secret. So the students start, you know, we tell them, they, they see our bus, they see all the students. And so one by one students are, we intersperse leaders, they're going through adults. And so on the very last kid, I just kind of took him by the shoulders and said, thank you, everybody. And I just walked right through the border into Mexico. They never stopped me. They never asked for my passport. I know, I probably broke federal laws. I don't know. I, I mean, there's probably still wanted posters. I don't know. So, so we get through the gate. And I grabbed my leaders, I said, oh, and we're like cheering and like, you know, fist pumping. We got it, he's in, he's in. And one of my leaders turns to me and says, well, how are you going to get back in? <laughs> I don't know, we'll deal with that in 10 days. We'll deal with that in 10 days. And I, I cannot reveal whether or not I got back in. I will just leave that hanging there for you to figure out on your own. But on that day, it was so important. These border agents had a job to do, didn't they? They didn't do it very well, but they had a job to do to figure out who was coming in, right? What were they going to do with that person? What were their intentions? And in the exact same way, your next feeling, the heart is the gateway of response for all of the issues in your life. The heart is the gateway of response. It's a border of all the issues that you're letting into your heart because the truth is this, every single one of these issues demand an emotional response from you. All of them demand an emotional response and how you respond is determined by how well you keep your heart. Remember, isn't that what Solomon said? With all diligence, above all else, guard your heart. Keep thy heart with all diligence. So here's the question. If all of that is true and all of us can nod and say, yes, I get it. It's a border. We got to protect our hearts. Here's the question then. How do you keep your heart? How do you keep your heart so it's in a place to deal with all of this and not let it wreck you? Not let it T-bone your life, not let you drive into chaos? Well, here's the answer to your next feeling. How do you keep your heart? You find regular rest in Jesus through prayer and the word you find regular rest in Jesus through prayer and the word. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened by all of the issues going on in your life, the things seen, the things unseen, the things that some people know about, the things that nobody knows about. I want you to come to me with all of your issues that are burdening you and I will give you, what's that word? Say it out loud. Yes. Rest. Come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find, here it is again, Rest for your souls. 
For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Doesn't rest sound good in the middle of all this? You know the kind of relief you feel when an issue has gotten resolved and you feel that instant euphoric relief? Jesus is saying, I want you to feel that kind of rest ever before your issues get resolved. Now, before I go any further, some of you just checked out mentally. You checked out mentally and here's why. Some of us want an easier answer that doesn't require the discipline of prayer and reading the word. We want an easy answer. We want something like God just to do it for us. But this is gonna take some discipline but I'm telling you what, if you will engage this discipline in, your, discipline in your life, all of the issues will change how they impact your life. And so this is my last few minutes that I have. I want to implore you to the best of my ability to create a discipline of prayer and spending time in the word because it can change your life. And I know, believe me, I know, it's easy to look at a personal or private time with Jesus as just a box to check, especially if you've ever had any kind of religious baggage. It can seem like a useless ritual, but Jesus says, no, 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 no. This is the time where you and I get to build relationship. This is the time where I become your Lord and your friend and I get to hear about all the things that are going on in your life and I can meet you right where you're at and give you rest for your soul. He's inviting us into this beautiful place where our hearts can be transformed and changed, a time when our emotions are gathered and put back together ever before our situations change. It's an invitation that he gives to every single one of us. Look what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter four. He says this, don't worry about anything, which all of us, when we hear this, we say, come on, really? Don't worry, that's impossible. So it's a little tongue in cheek. Don't worry about anything. Instead, here's the answer. Pray about some things. What does that say? Oh, everything. Pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. If you do this, here's the payoff. If you are willing to take all of the issues and bring them to God in prayer and meet with him, if you will do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your, look at, your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at, what's that word? Quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. You know what's so interesting? He didn't say if you do this, all of your answers will be given to you. He didn't say if you do this, all of your situations will change. He didn't say, if you do this, life will become easy. He said, if you do this, you're going to experience the peace of God that your human mind can't even understand. That you go, how can I have so much peace when I'm facing whatever it is? How can my heart be at rest to trust that God's got it in control when the chaos of is going on? 
gives us the answer. If you'll do this, if you'll bring everything in prayer to him, if you will spend some time with him, he will give you a peace that your mind can't understand and put your thoughts, your emotions, your hearts, your will, your passions, emotions quietly at rest. And so I came up with a cheesy acronym for the word rest, all right? Just to help you remember this, and it's this, R-E-S-T, regularly engage spiritual time. If you want rest for your heart and rest for your soul and rest for your mind, you have to regularly engage spiritual time. Once on Sunday mornings a week is not enough. That's not what he's talking about. This is about a personal relationship that you're developing with your heavenly father. And on your way out today, you're going to get a little card that has this cheesy acronym right on it with the verse from Philippians 4 on the back. And I want you to put this this week where you can see it every morning. Put it on your mirror, put it on your dashboard of your car. And I want you to think, how am I this week going to carve out my personal time with God to find rest? Because the truth is, it's never been easier to find a devotional plan, right? Just Google it on the interweb, get on there and get it. Download the Bible app. There's one million plans on there that you can choose from and let it start. It'll even remind you how great is that. It'll even remind you. But I want to encourage you to carve out short time amount of prayer and reading and bring your list to God in prayer and let him bring you emotional rest. As I close, I'm reminded of King David who had so many ups and downs in his life and I am so grateful that it was all recorded for us to, to read and to learn from. And maybe you can relate to the spot he was in when he wrote this in Psalm 13, one through two. He said this, how long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? And you can pause it right there. Can you relate? Have there ever been days with all the issues in your life that you feel overwhelmed your heart full of sorrow, your mind not at peace and not at rest, can you relate? Well, somewhere in that prayer time with David, something changed inside of him. Because three verses later, this was his summary. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. And here's what's amazing. His situation hasn't changed, but something has changed in him because he has spent time with his heavenly father. And he says, I, I can't trust in anything being, being resolved, but God, I can trust in your unfailing love. I'm gonna rejoice that your salvation's on the other side of every single issue in my life. Not one of his situations had changed, but he had changed in his heart. And it's the same powerful tool that Jesus invites you and I into. So that, one last time, Proverbs 4.23, so that we can keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So here's the question. Will you accept the invitation 
from your heavenly father to meet with him this week. Because you've got to ask, how's the condition of my heart currently? How is it in dealing with all of the issues? Rest sounds good, doesn't it? And ever before any of these get resolved, he invites us to come so he can put our hearts and mind at rest as we fully trust in him. So will you accept the invitation? Will you carve out time this week to spend time with him? Would you mind just closing your eyes all over this room as we get ready to pray? And even if you're watching online, if you wouldn't mind closing your eyes. And I just want to take a moment. I just want us to take 20 or 30 seconds here just as we quiet our hearts, just for a moment between you and God. Because you can talk to God right now. He's listening. And I just want you to ask him, God, how's the condition of my heart? And then respond to the invitation to make a commitment to say, God, I want a deeper relationship with you and I'm gonna start it this week. So how's the condition of my heart just between you and God? Let's do that right now. So Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you've given us a way to be in control when life seems out of control. It's hard to imagine that the God of the universe wants to meet with me and wants to talk to me and wants to build relationship with me. And I ask for every single person in this room and everybody watching online that today we'd make a step in your direction. For you said, whoever draws near to me, I will draw near to them. That is an amazing promise. And as we bring all of our issues to you, I pray that by your spirit, we would see the miracle in this invitation that you have set our minds and our hearts at rest and given us a peace that we can't understand. Let us live in it, I pray. And if you're here today and you've never even entered into relationship with Jesus, maybe you've never prayed and asked him to be the leader of your life, maybe you've never asked for forgiveness of sin, if that's you and today you wanna start that relationship, I wanna lead you in a short prayer that will do just that and begin this relationship between you and God. And if that's you, I just want you to quietly repeat this prayer after me. Just say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me just the way I am. Please forgive me of all that I've done wrong and give me new life. Thank you for dying for me and rising again from the dead. I choose to put all of my trust in you. And today I'm making you the leader of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen.
So I want to encourage you today on your way out, get those rest cards. And today, make the choice to carve out some time. Thanks so much for letting me speak today. I'm going to hand it over to Eli.